2: JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/slash awards. Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: Just a little heads up. This episode of White Wine Question Time. Features some rather strong and fruity language. So if you're listening around children, you might want to pop your headphones on. Hello, and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought provoking questions over three glasses of wine. <laughs> And my guests this week are small screen royalty of the highest order, a married couple who created the template for daytime television as we've come to know it, steering this morning to greatness under their tenure, breaking new ground, and all the while raising a family while they did. For the last 12 years, they've also been the owners, creators and curators of Britain's Biggest Book Club, which for the last two years has also lived as a podcast too. Oh, and they're also best-selling authors in their own right. For more than 40 years on screen, she dazzled and in 2015 made the decision to stop working on camera and reset her career as a writer. Meanwhile, he still very much has the broadcasting bug and is back on our screens two days a week, anchoring GMB alongside Susanna Reid. They live between London and Cornwall, have four grown-up children and also three and a half grandchildren. So let's dial them up. No surnames necessary. It's Richard and Judy. Are you? Hi, okay, okay. okay.
1: I'm exhausted just listening to that.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and do you know what? I worked really hard to get that down because I could have just gone, I mean, what an incredible achievement your professional lives have been, let alone your personal lives and a strong, secure, long-standing marriage. Well
0: done you. you.
3: Well, it's gone on for a long time, I admit. I can sometimes sort of
4: look back and think, I, I really can, I, I know it's the biggest cliche of all time, but I really don't know where the time's gone. It's just astonishing. Um, you know, we're talking about babies and grandchildren, weren't we? And and um, you know, yeah. our own our own kids seemed the young our youngest two seemed so little yesterday and now they're kind of, you know, they're in their 30s and they're having babies and it's just, it's it's quite extraordinary. Life is very odd.
1: I think it's also a case of if you don't feel that you've changed inside, you're still essentially the person you were as a, as a very young adult. Um, time does seem to go by really quickly. I was crossing the road the other day and I saw somebody buying a local newspaper on a stand just outside the, the supermarket around the corner from, from me. And, I, and that's where I started. I started in local papers when I was 16. Not in the supermarket. Yeah. Not in the supermarket, no. <laughs> I started on, in, on, on the Brentwood, Ar- <laughs> on the wonderfully named Brentwood Argus mm-hmm. uh, in 1972. So this is my 50th year in, in journalism, basically. Um, and I Good thought minding. to myself, not only do I remember it with great clarity, my first few weeks in the office as a, as a cub reporter, I felt the same then as I do now. I'm, I'm still absolutely the same person as I was as a 16-year-old. I know I am. I, obviously, I've got more experience and I've hopefully picked up a few bits of wisdom along the way. And a few wrinkles. And a lot of wrinkles and a lot of grey hair. But I'm still basically, <laughs> I'm still basically me, the, the richer that I was in 1972.
3: It's weird. Uh, you know, in, in order to compile this podcast, I started looking back, um, obviously, to, to do some research. Mm. And... First thing I wanted to say, you talk about Cub Reporters. When I first worked under you two, I was a Cub Reporter. There was myself, Claudia Winkleman, and Mark Wogan. And I just wanted to say thank you, because not only did you look after us and elevate us and encourage us, um, but you were kind of, you know you were always there to to open doors and say, that's a great idea, let's do that. You were always so enthusiastic and um, promoting us constantly, so thank
1: you well the thing and, about that is it's programs of the kind that we that we worked on and even the one that i work on now jmb they i know this sounds like a horrible almost patronizing cliche and a kind of a, a kind of a sort of a self-conscious bit of self-effacement but it's not it's true they're team efforts uh, and if you encourage the mm. team whether it's the, you know the, the young runner that makes the tea for you when you get in at five in the morning or whether it's you know your your, your new deputy editor if you encourage them um and and work with them mm-hmm. then you get everybody gets a better result it's as simple as that isn't it
4: i also i've mm. always loved working with younger people um i just I, I i i really love the you know sort of seeing people you can people shine you know from very early on you can tell the people who are going to do well mm. and it's been tremendous what we're doing this morning for so long and we we've worked with so many young kids coming in getting their first jobs as researchers or whatever and now yeah. they're running this that and the other you know they're really important and it, what's uh, one of the really sort of gratifying things is that you can always spot the good ones you really can you can always spot virtually mm-hmm. from their first day um if they're going to be uh do really mm-hmm. well um and it's a quality it doesn't really it's certainly intelligence, that's really important, intelligence, but it's also a kind of quality of enthusiasm and an openness um, and, and a, willing to, a willingness to work hard. And you can, and it gives us huge pleasure to see people now in these wonderful, great positions while we're old and kind of faded.
1: But, it, but occasionally you get it wrong. I mean, we got it wrong. Hardly. We got it wrong with Kate, didn't we? I mean, she was rubbish, you know? I'm amazed. amazed she got to where she got. No, you were great. You were, you were great.
3: But I I was there working alongside, as I said, Claudia Winkleman and Mark Wogan. And I don't think that, well, maybe you do appreciate that your name was above the door very much, even though the show was called this morning. And when you said things like, that's a great idea, let's do it. You didn't then take those ideas for yourself or give them to somebody else. You encouraged all of us to grow and you endorsed us. And even just kind of coming out of a VT when you'd say, great work, that was, that meant the world when you were just starting out. So... You know, you really, you really did pay it forward, um, Richard. I don't know if you will remember this, and and I'm sure you won't, Judy. Um, but there was one day I I was coming in to do a live with you guys. I'd been filming the night before at the Brit, so I'd been up all night making this film. And I'll be honest, I don't think I'd been to bed. But I thought yeah. it's all right. My my film is made. I've just got to go in and do the sofa for four minutes. I can get away with that, and then I'm going to go home and faceplant. And what happened was this. I got into the studio and Judy was sick. And you said, oh, Kate, lovely to see you. I tell you what, come on, step in. And you basically brought me in for most of the show. I was so hungover. <laughs> and we had to do Haggis tasting. And I really thought I was going to throw up on air. Was, and I really didn't want to say to you, I'm sure I stank of booze. Richard, I can't do this. Because I was standing in for the great Judy Finnegan, but I was hanging. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I do remember you sitting there, but I don't remember you uh, suffering at all. I don't remember that bit at all. God, oh God. happy days.
3: Oh, my God. Yeah. It was like, they were really happy days. Um, oh well, it's so nice to see you both together again. I mean, 12 years of the book club is, I mean, I thought this morning was an achievement. But 12 years on, I mean, you really <clears> haven't <throat> got Britain turning the page.
1: Well, I, I suppose it's because... <sighs> We don't just lend our names to it. I mean, we are as we were, as you as you can testify on this morning, totally, totally involved in the production of the programme, and the same yeah. on channel, and the same on Channel Four together. And it's exactly the same principle with the with the book club. We we pick the books a lot of people don't think we do a lot of people are very cynical and they say oh you just get sent a list and you kind of and you put your signature on the on the preface and, and you write a little review or maybe somebody writes it for you um and you and, and they give you a check no 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 I mean this this occasionally I have to go to one of the local charity shops with a carload of books because we just get so many books sent to us by by the mm-hmm. publishers via W H Smith who are our partners in this um and we have to read them all um we are <laughs> You know, I mean, we would be inveterate readers anyway, but we have to focus on, on the books that we get sent. I mean, we have to pick six books every three months, don't we, um, out of a, a much, much longer list. And we do read them. I mean, Well, it's uh, great,
4: it's a fantastic job for me because I love reading. Um, it's my form. If anybody said, what is your most favourite thing in the world? I would say reading. It's uh, It absolutely transports me. I've always been, always, always been a bookworm, right from when I was a little girl. So... For me it's it, it, it's great it's fantastic in fact we've just had another big load of book clubs for our summer list this
1: computer is sitting on top of the box uh,
4: that's right there <laughs> it's actually sitting <laughs> oh! on top of the box yeah. And we haven't opened them yet. And I'm really, and, and and when we finish talking to you, we're going to open them and I'm going to have a look, see what they are. And I, It's it's fantastic because, I mean, you get to read. And the thing is, one of the good things about it, again, is um, we get a lot of uh, debut writers. It's really hard for young writers to get started. Well, never mind young writers, any writer to get started. Now, it's really hard to find a publisher, it's really hard to find an agent, and it's fantastic when we find a really good first-time novel, isn't
1: it? Yes, and again, it's a little bit like what Judy was saying about being able to spot TV talent, you know, people like yourself yeah. back, back in the day. We tend to, I have to, I'm going to say this, we tend to get it right. Um, not only do we pick, say, a debut writer who, who's written a great novel, good first novel, but they go on to do great things. Kate Moss is a really good example. Kate Moss, her first novel, in Carcassonne, what's it called? um um
4: it's the labyrinth
1: the, 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 yeah. the labyrinth that was that was her first major novel and, and and we we got it on the book club and look at Kate Moss now I mean you know she's kind of a, in terms of popular fiction she's a household name and and there are others like her that, that yeah we we clocked we we had total faith in we got them onto the book club list got them into WH Smith which means they become bestsellers automatically so that gives them a great start that's rocket fuel you know um and they go on to write you know string of bestsellers and just as we feel proud of people like you and you know there are many like you that, that we worked with when when you were just little sprogs um we feel the same and I guess we can say it now because we're getting we're getting so old we feel the same about a lot of writers you know um we, yeah. we were able to, we were able to help tramp and lead them into the top echelon and and then of course they make yeah. their own luck you know
3: which all brings me very nicely to my very first question uh, for you both are you ready I wanted to talk about legacy Um, because when you look back at what you've achieved in your working life, it's the stuff dreams are made of. You did create the template for daytime television as we know it, and the book club really has made, I mean, it's it's not only got lots more people reading that wouldn't normally by making it so accessible, as we've just discussed, you've made stars of novelists that would otherwise possibly still be, you know, languishing on the first step of the ladder. So when you look back over this significant career, I mean, 50 years, you said earlier, Richard, what do you think would make up, make up the proudest moments that you think collectively create your professional handprint?
1: Gosh, after you.
3: Oh, no, she asked you first. Oh, <laughs> all
1: right. Um, well, first of all, I, I'd say I'm actually not a great believer in legacy as a concept. Um, I, I, I believe very much that we leave footprints in the sand, you know? Um, and the next mm. tide washes them away. Um, and so many people who seem to be influential or important or you know, significant in their lifetimes actually are, you know? Um, and, and once they've gone, either retired or joined the choir, invisible, whatever, um, memories fade very quickly and others take their place, you know? so. I I don't actually quite understand why there are some people, politicians in particular, Putin at the moment, um, who Mm. are are so wrapped up with the concept of what their legacy will be. Because I don't think actually, there are very few exceptions to this, I don't think that it's possible actually to leave a legacy because time just erases it um, and and it's overtaken by new life. So I don't worry too much about legacy. But if if you want an example of of, of something that I think we did at, at our best, and, and got the, the tone of the judgment right at our very best to, together, I would say that it was the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday on this morning, um, after the Sunday when it was announced that Diana had died. Um, we'd been, in those days, this morning used to come off air in the summer, and we were due to come back on that September Monday. And we had a lovely show lined up with all sorts of, you know, sort of holiday memories of the team and all the rest of it, and some really good guests, and it was going to be really good. We're back with a bang kind of launch. And, I, and it all blew away at nine o'clock for us on the Sunday morning when the, our bedroom door was knocked on. And it was our son, Jack. who was then, I think, 10 or 11. And he just put his head through the door and he'd gone down to watch the television and he said, Diana's dead. And we thought he said, Diane's dead. And Diane was our editor at the time, our executive producer. Diane Nelms.
5: Diane And we immediately <laughs> thought, and we
1: said, Dian, Diane Diane's, Diane's not dead. What do you He said, no, Princess Diana's dead. And from that moment, well, obviously that in many ways the the world changed and our, our, our day certainly changed and we had crash meetings and we went in the next day and we thought as we went to bed on Sunday night that we'd probably do at least half the show on, on the Diana story as it was. Well we did of course the whole show and then we thought when we had a meeting afterwards, OK, well, tomorrow we'll probably do half the show. on uh, We did the whole show. Uh, since, same on Wednesday, same on Thursday, same on Friday, because it was a story. It was the biggest story I'd ever covered. Um, and it was a story that, that kept convulsing into different shapes overnight. So, for example, on the Monday, it was all about the, the, the horror and the sadness and the tragedy of what had happened you couldn't have predicted that by Wednesday morning, we'd be having a massive national argument about the royal family, per se, not coming down from Scotland to show to show their grief, or as the Americans say, to show your remorse. Uh, they were kind of cutting themselves off up in Balmoral. And that became a huge talking point. And actually, seemingly, and that wonderful Helen Mirren film, The Queen, it was based on that. Um, it actually did look as if maybe the monarchy was going to implode in the space of a week it was extra- of course it didn't and it was never going to but it felt like <clears> it um so I think the way that we covered that story and the guests that we that we got on to talk about it and I you know say with you know, humbly I think that the tone that Judy had and hopefully that I had um adapted to that that rolling story with sensitivity but also with hard news values and I would say that was the best week's work we ever did.
3: Can I ask until that point had you ever um knitted major news stories across the show like that had you ever gone there on such a grand scale or had there not been a story or, no, never during been your time that, that had warranted there. it
1: no no they, i can't i mean obviously we, we, we as uh, this morning is was it, it a hugely successful show today it's a slightly different show from the one that, that we left uh, because mm. Judy and I were both trained journalists, you know Judy well, trained, trained journalist. Well, you were, you were, an Ang- you, were an Ang- um, you, you were the I'm, first I'm, woman reporter at Anglia Television. Yeah, but I'm, nobody
4: trained me. Oh, all right. you were an I, experienced I, journalist. I, I see myself as a, as a, a, a broadcaster, not like you. I mean, you you were papers, you were newspapers. I never worked in newspapers. No, so but you I worked
1: in newsrooms. No, but
4: I don't think of myself therefore as a kind of journalist. All right, then <laughs>
1: you had you had years of newsroom experience, which to me makes you a journalist. You worked at Anglia Television as the first woman. Woman face on yes. in the newsroom, and then you, and then I, when I joined Granada in 1982, you'd already been there for for several years as a reporter presenter on the nightly news. So of course that made you a journalist. Um, all right, I had more formal NTC data at National Council for the Training and Journalist training. Started in papers, but like Judy, I went through <laughs> the various broadcast newsrooms, and then we ended up doing this morning. But we brought our news from experience with us, and I think this morning, yes. and I'm not saying this made it any better, it just made it a bit different. This morning was it was a newsier show then when we were doing it because it just our interests our journalistic interests were picked yeah. all the time on on breaking stories um so uh, yes of course we would cover big stories as well, but i don't remember it dominating the show in the way the Diana story did
5: if if we're
4: still talking about legacy um i mm. feel i feel very different about legacy i think than um the, than richard does um and i the most i think it's a partly a male female thing i i really don't care about any legacy that I've kind of left in terms of a professional achievement or anything. I mean, it's in, really important to be proud of what you're doing. Obviously, um, if you weren't proud, especially in, in in this field of being on the TV and everything, if you weren't weren't sort of proud or or, or um, at least didn't, you didn't think what you were doing was a uh, contributing something something uh, good, then you know, it, it wouldn't be worth doing. But in terms of a legacy, I, I think the only legacy really, for me, has been and always will be is family. It's family and, and it's love. I remember, in fact, somebody wrote this the other day, actually, in a newspaper talking about this Ukraine, terrible, terrible uh war in Ukraine. And somebody was writing about oligarchs um, and, the, you know, the guys who've just been yeah. sanctioned and they've they're losing all money. And, and he, he said what these guys don't understand with their super yachts and their massive mansions and everything. But in the end, all that counts at the end is love and family. Um, and absolutely, I think that is absolutely true so when when you said what do you think of your legacy I really had to pause and think because I can't think of anything Mm -hmm. that I want to I, I just want people to think I was kind of when I go I want people to think I was okay obviously and good at my job and all the rest of it but mostly it's about family about family and love and what you achieve with the family and and to have a happy family which kind of um which kind of then when you've passed on they go on with your kind of um with your thoughts and their memories of you and everything that's a legacy that's my legacy and that's all I,
1: I want I agree completely with that um I, w- I would have gone on to say that as well but I agree 100% I mean if you if, if you want to look at legacy in another way uh, as opposed to the actions that you take and the deeds that you've done uh you look at your basically your genetic legacy um yeah. and, and that that is that is impermeable and that is imperishable and that does go on and on and uh, and, 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 it's, and it's all wrapped up with what you've just said I, I agree 1000% with what you've just said mm.
3: Do you know what I love though as well I mean obviously I, I knew Jack and Chloe as kids and now I watch yes. them as adults you know Jack um, uh, is, is really accomplished as a, as a talent manager but Chloe I see so much of you both in Chloe in as much as the way she lands herself publicly she is thoroughly researched bang on with her stats and facts. I love following her, truly I love following her because I learn from every post she does. And she's got your sass and feist when it comes to actually turning the volume up. And when you talk about legacy, that's legacy. She's a remarkable uh, yes. young woman. You should be so proud of all of your children, yes, is. but is but yeah. the one that puts herself out there. So I feel it's fair that I can comment on that because that's her choice.
5: Yeah. Fair
3: enough. And and also, you know, from, from, from
4: our point of view, she's, she's our only girl. And I kind of had three boys. I had twin sons and then I had, uh, then I had Jack and, uh, then we had Chloe and Chloe was, as they say, an accident. We have no idea. We were certainly not trying for another baby when Chloe was conceived, came completely out of the blue. Um, and sort of, it was, but she was only a year, she's only a year younger than Jack. So it was really close together. Um, and I can't say I was best pleased at the idea of going through it all again. But as soon as I discovered she was a girl, I was absolutely <laughs> thrilled to bits.
1: I can still remember is... I can still remember we we got Judy had gone for the the was it a, a scan or a blood test? No, it was like, amniocentesis, amniocentesis in those days. Because yeah. um, I
4: was in my late 30s. That's right. And, and you are sort of regarded as an elderly mother in
1: those days. In those days, <laughs> when when an amnio was done, it took a while to get... These days, you get the results in 10 seconds, you know, but it took a bit longer. Um, and it was a Saturday morning, and Judy had had the amnio a few days before, and her consultant had said, when I get the results, even if it's at the weekend, do you want to know the sex of the baby? And she said, yes. He said, then I'll give you a ring. It could be at the weekend, fine. So it was a Saturday morning, and it was Judy's turn to cook breakfast... For for the kids, that's Tom and Dan, my stepson's, her son's from the first marriage, Um, and Jack, and, and, and Jack was, was a baby, so she, she was, and I was lying in, because we were doing this morning, there. it was my, my my Saturday to lie in, and I remember hearing the, the landline going, this is before mobile, I remember hearing the phone ringing in the hall downstairs, and, and hearing Judy having this muted conversation, and then I actually heard the phone being slammed down, and I thought, oh God, this, this is bad news, what, what, what the fuck has happened, and then I heard Judy... <laughs> Running up the stairs, bum 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 bum, and then the door, the bedroom door, bursting mm-hmm. open, and she stood there in a dressing gown, hair awry, you know, sat nine o'clock, Saturday morning. She said, "I'm having a girl. <laughs> We're having a girl," But I've never forgotten it. It was, it because was, it was, it was because we you know we had three boys at that point, and it, yeah, it, it, it did seem like a little gift. Didn't
4: yeah, I, I, I really liked the idea of having another female presence, and it's funny because because Chloe now um is expecting her first baby yes. um, she's about yes i know yes. it's amazing it's, it's coming over so the lovely. summer and uh, yeah i know and she has discovered and is perfectly happy for, for us to talk about this that she also is having a little girl oh. and you know that's that's just fantastic <laughs> for me because well i don't know i see my little girl you know she's still my head quite a lot of time she's my little girl With her, inside her tummy is her little girl. And it all feels like a sort of wonderful kind of chain or something, you know, and it's just, it's so lovely. I feel I
1: feel totally excluded, I mean. Well, you've got kids. No, I I love it, it's great. I'll tell you a quick little anecdote here. Judy and I got married in November, November the 21st, uh, 1986. uh, And I can say that all four of our children were there because Tom and Dan were there. They were what, uh, nine? Um, they were born in 77, seven, weren't they? Yeah, so they yeah, were would have been
4: about nine. The twins,
1: there were nine. Jack was there in his in his cot he in the church. Months. He was six months old. Yeah. And uh, Chloe had yet to be born. And she, we had no
4: idea. And we had no idea.
1: And the next... Anyway, we had our wedding reception in, in, a, in a fantastic country pub called the Bells of Peaver in Cheshire. And then we, we left the kids with a nanny. And no, we, without,
4: with my mum. Oh, with your mum. <laughs> and
1: we drove down... Well, nanny. Um, and we drove down just to have a very... Th- just a three-day honeymoon in the Cotswolds. And we, and we woke up the next morning, our first day as a married couple. We'd been living together for two years. We'd already had one baby. Um, but, but, you know, it was our first morning as a married couple. And we were having breakfast in the hotel restaurant. And I remember saying to Judy do you feel any different? Now, basically, there's, there are two rings on it. You know, there's the engagement ring and there's the... Did you feel any different? And Judy said to me, I've never forgotten this, she, and she remembers this, she said, well, do you know, I do. She so said, I actually feel physically different this morning. So what's that feeling that you're pregnant? And she was. She was pregnant with <laughs> Chloe. We
0: later...
1: We later... <laughs> no so, <laughs> so, so that means, and, and Chloe loves this, that Chloe was actually at our wedding. Oh, she was actually there. That's so her, nice.
3: Ear, <laughs> Literally, it's like you've read my mind or read my script because this takes me so beautifully to my second
1: question
0: for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood f- ass-
3: I next wanted to talk to you about a series of significant firsts, milestones across your life together that's seen you grow from kind of partners as boyfriend and girlfriend to man and wife, to colleagues and co-workers, parents and now grandparents. So I wanted to kick off with um, your first impression, which I believe is when you first worked together. Was that the first time you met? Yes. Yeah, yeah.
4: we, I, I, yes. I mean, I was a, I was a presenter for Granada. We, we, our, our local news program is called Granada Reports. Um, in those days, individual regions. We, we were in the the northwest region. We were based in Manchester, but we covered, um, the whole of the northwest. Um, and it was a very different style of programming, wasn't it? The program was much. It wasn't just a rolling news bulletin like it tends to be now. It had all sorts of little, um stuff in the studio, ex- a bit like this morning. I was going to say, it's it's like, like it morning. was like this morning, yeah. yeah. So, um, we, so, so so things were very different. And anyway, when, when Richard arrived, yes, i have been there a couple of years, and then he walked in, and I, first impressions. I do remember walking him walking into the newsroom. He was wearing, it was May, wasn't it? Was yes, it, May?
1: it was May, yeah.
4: It was May, and he was wearing a really pale blue suit, you know, sort of like ice blue. Sharp. And I thought... Oh, God, he. I thought, No, I thought, oh, God, he thinks a lot of himself, doesn't he? <laughs> I? <laughs> I mean, I mean you, look, you look great, but wearing that Nobody else said this, and all the other blokes were just wearing, I don't know, jeans and God knows what else. There yeah. were you in your oh, pale blue my summer My first suit? day at the office. I know, I know, I know, I, know. <laughs> I know. Give me a break. <laughs> <I know.
1: laughs> so you thought I was a wanker?
4: No, I didn't. I didn't think that. <laughs> I, just, I just have a very vivid image of you um walking into the newsroom wearing that blue suit. I mean, you know, they, they had that thing, that old sort of um, Gigi thing. You were all in blue. You were all, no, I was wearing white. Well, I do yeah, have yeah. this really strong image of you in this blue suit. That was my first impression of you. Um, I, I looked after you didn't I and well my,
1: my my first memory of Judy I hadn't actually I'd, I'd heard the name Judy Finnegan a few times I was over at Yorkshire Television on the other side of the Pennines yeah. and I was working with a, a, a reporter there and a presenter there called Marilyn Webb uh, who was the sort of Judy Finnegan of Yorkshire <laughs> Television you know a uh, lovely girl Marilyn no longer with us sadly um, and, and she and I worked with Richard Whiteley doing the, 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 the calendar programme there that was what was called calendar news so anyway I get the job at, 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 I get poached basically and I get the job at Granada and I'd heard heard of Judy but I didn't know much I've about her at seen all. But you
4: Reports Action?
1: Uh, no. Um, um, but I'd, I'd heard of her, but I, you know, I wasn't really, you know, that conscious of her. And I remember walking into the newsroom, I can't remember the, the suit that I was in, uh, but I do remember, uh, real I must have seen you on Reports Action, you're right, I must have seen you on that, it was a Sunday show, wasn't it, you did with, yeah. with Bob? Mm. That's right, yeah, I had, yes, I had glimpsed her um, on, on a kind of a factual programme that, that she did called Granada Reports Action that went network. Yes, you're right, I did, I had seen that. And I fancied her. You know, I, you know, I thought she was really pretty, but you know, I was married. She was married at the time, so you know, it was just, it was just a kind of a technical. Oh, she's very attractive. And I remember coming into the newsroom and seeing Judy in the flesh for the first time, and thinking, oh yeah, she's, she's, you know, she's hot. She's great. What was I wearing? Ah, you were wearing a, you were wearing a, a, a woolen top, um, a sort of a, um, a buttonless cardigan. Which was ribbed. A buttonless. But, 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 but what would you call it? It was like a jumper, but it had, but it was ribbed. It had um, different coloured stripes going across it. Oh, and I never wore
4: anything yes, like Yes, you that. did.
1: I can tell you. I can see it now. You—that's what you were wearing. I oh, didn't? That, that's what you were wearing, and you were wearing uh, some kind of. It was a, I think it was a green skirt. I mean, you look lovely. I mean, it wasn't what you were going to wear on the show, but you know, it was, it was your newsroom, and I was in my sharp blue suit. <laughs> uh, and I thought she might have made an effort, to be honest. Okay. Um, but, but I didn't. See but, but Judy says, I walked into the office. What I actually walked into was the morning news conference, because that's it, that's where we all used to meet at nine o'clock. So I walked in, joined, I was introduced by the editor. This is Richard. He's new, blah, blah, I'll look after him. Then we had the, the news conference, talked about what was going to go in that night's program. Then I was shown my desk, and I sat down. And the next thing, as I was killing my sort of, you know, barrows lined up in parallel and my reporter's notebook and my typewriter, and <laughs> I felt two hands land on my shoulders behind me. These two hands go smack on my shoulders, and I jumped. And I turned around, and it was Judy with both her hands on both my shoulders and she said I'm your mummy and I didn't know what the fuck she was talking about I said, what and she and she laughed she said joke she said we have we have a thing called the parenting scheme here Richard she said um, when somebody new comes to the office somebody is assigned to be either their daddy or their mummy it's a joke basically I'm going to show you where the toilets are where the canteen is where the editing suites are I'm going to, I'm going to give you the grand tour because I'm your mummy haha ha. so uh, that kind of passed into into legend so she showed me around uh, she showed me around Morning, and we we got on straight away, didn't we? Yeah, yeah I mean straight away, yeah. within, within whatever her first thoughts were, you know, <laughs> who's this, who's this wanker in the blue <laughs> suit? Um, I don't think
4: the blue suit made
1: Probably <laughs> 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 <definitely> not. Um, <laughs> by the by, by the, well, by the end of that morning, we were—I—I I could tell we were going to be friends. Um, mm. uh, and obviously, it developed into something a lot more than that. But that was a, that was a long way down the road. Um, but we we, we were fra- we were kindred spirits, and uh, as we were talking, and then I remember we were talking about that night's show, and Judy was disc- explaining how the show was put together, and I kind of got it, and she got it that I got it, and I don't know, we just clicked straight away.
3: And it's, and it's been ever thus ever since. Um, there's a story that that, that uh, well that certainly lives in print. If it's true, you tell me, um, please do. Uh, you say you came into the news conference, and the first thing you heard was uh, Judy. Uh, slicing and dicing uh, a sexist producer in the morning conference, and you thought, wow, I'm going to marry her.
1: <laughs> I think that's an edited version of, of, of a much longer truth. Um, I certainly don't remember kind of that as, as an instant hit. I mean, I suppose it might have happened, but if it did, mem- that memory has faded. It's certainly true that I became aware very quickly that Judy was uh, what I would call a practical feminist, uh, she, she wasn't a feminist on theoretical grounds she was a feminist on practical grounds what, and, what do
4: you mean I wasn't
1: a well you, your your feminism it was alright then it was applied feminism um, it was it was the kind of feminism that well, wasn't airy fairy it was actually directed at the way you were treated and the way women were talked about and you you know it was hands on feminism really well, um, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah theoretical uh, yeah alright yeah but, but, com- but quite combative um, as it needed to be <laughs> a practising I mean, feminist no, Richard a practising so, feminist a practicing, thank you. A practicing, Emma. Practicing very uh, hard. Yeah, uh, and I like that. Um, I like that a lot. Um, I really did because you know she was one of the very few women in the newsroom, and and you know had to kind of get up on her hind legs. I also remember actually, you say it was May. Quite soon after I joined, within days actually, the Falklands War started, mm. and Granada Television certainly back then, and the newsroom back then was pretty hard left leaning. Now I'm not saying that we were right leaning because 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 we because we, we weren't and I wasn't, but there was a there was a kind of a knee jerk reaction against the dispatching of a British armed armed forces to to, to free the Falklands and Judy and I with and and that was partly because everybody hated Margaret Thatcher uh, so anything she did was wrong you know um, and. Judy and I were the only two people in the newsroom who thought that actually it was quite right to go down to the Falklands and take them back, because they'd been annexed by and invaded by a fascist dictator, General Galtieri. Uh, and, and we couldn't simply couldn't couldn't put up with that. And it was it was clearly completely wrong. And and it it was a, a cause of belli. It was a cause for war. And we joined forces in, in in huge arguments in the morning conferences in the newsroom about the Falklands War. And I think we earned each other's respect there as well because we were lone voices. We were the only people saying, "No, no, we have to fight this war. It's a just war." Um, and you know, I remember saying to to, to some of the of, you know the more ex- extreme, leftist-leaning people, there, "Don't you realize that this is a fascist junta? This is a fascist dictator? Of course we have to take him on. Surely." He would be your first target what's wrong with you um and judy and i were, were as one voice on that back then and that drew us closer together as well i think
4: well I, I just thought not so much the fascist gender stuff but i just thought basically that those people living on the falklands were british regarded themselves as british yeah. and always had and you can't suddenly at the first sign of trouble say hey yeah. you're on your own absolutely we're leaving you alone you know that's that was my feeling you know that we had a responsibility to, to do something about it, but um, it wasn't so much political yeah. as humanitarian. Mm. So that yeah, was
3: that yeah. was one of the first times that yeah. you became morally aligned, politically aligned. Maybe. What about yeah. What about your first yes. joint stance? Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, I, 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 again, this is something I've read. Tell me if it's true. Um, but Judy, you demanded equal pay when you realised that you were working alongside Richard and Tony Wilson at the time, and Richard, as a freelancer, was being paid more than you, and you both came together and went this is absolute bullshit we can't we can't work like this she has to be paid the same that's kind of half right but it's not it wasn't it wasn't when
4: i was doing the uh, granada reports program with uh, with richard and tony that was i mean i have no idea what we were all paid then that, that wasn't an issue um it was when we um we we did a pilot for this morning for the network center and they chose our pilot to do the series and we were, uh, Richard and I were, were the presenters. And Richard had gone freelance at that point. I don't know if you, had you yeah, moved Yeah, i had gone freelance? No, I've, you...
1: I've, been on, I've been on staff and then I was getting more and more offers of work with ITV to do quiz programs. Yeah. Obviously the news then this morning came along and I didn't even have an agent then. But but a, a guy who ran the entertainment department, a lovely guy called Steve Lee, he took me to one side, about, probably about... Nine months before this morning was even thought of and said, you need to go freelance because you'll triple your earnings. You, they're not paying you enough. You need to go freelance. And and I know it's a risk and you lose the pension funds and all the rest of it. But go freelance. And so I'd gone freelance. Mm. So, so, yeah. So and then I had an agent. And then when this morning got, got commissioned, my agent negotiated my fee for doing this morning. But Judy, who was still on staff, just got a flat staff fee.
4: Yeah. So I, I, I was obviously going to be paid less than him. And I thought that was... Um, not on, <laughs> absolutely not on. So I, I went freelance. I mean, I have to say that um, Jules Verne, who 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 was our, you would, I mean, he, he was our go to um, head of contracts co- contract at Granada was was really enabling. They weren't sexist at Granada. Um, they were all very forward thinking guys. And and he agreed. He said that basically, if I stayed stayed. On staff, obviously there are staff benefits like Richard mentioned, pensions and all sorts of things, uh, which uh, freelancers don't get. So freelancers get paid more money. So I said, okay, fine, I'll go freelance and, and and I'll get the extra money. And I got the same agent as Richard, and we were all set. But yeah, I mean, I always have, I always have felt very strongly that women should be better paid. And and the other thing that um, Steve Leahy, at the head of Action Time, um, was uh, at the time said to us both don't let them pay you as a job lot because you're married <laughs> and you're presenting the same programme. So don't let them think, oh, like, it's yeah, two for yeah, the yeah, you <laughs> And sort of just pay you as a job lot.
5: Yes, well,
4: I it's it's astonishing. I think, I mean, you know, things are, uh, things were very different in television in those days. But people didn't get, unless you were a really huge star, yeah. someone like Scylla, say, something, you didn't really get, what? Massive fees, no, in no, those days? No. Certainly not on local television.
1: No. But you mm. mentioned Tony Wilson, who was the, who was the third yeah. sort of spoke in the wheel on Granada Reports, the show that I came yes. to present with Judy, and it was very unusual. I don't think there was any other regional show, you know, whether it was at Central or Yorkshire or London Weekend or you know the Southwest things or Wales or Scotland, where there was a three-person lineup. Every night on the show, and it was me and Judy and Tony as, as equal presenters. You know, nobody was the lead presenter. We we it up between us. Uh, and that was a very unusual lineup. And Tony, well, anybody who's listening to this who, who knows Tony Wilson will know that he was quite huge, a character. Huge, when I, you when mean, I joined Granada Television, in He was
3: Mr. Manchester. He was the he was Andrew, the life yeah. and soul of Manchester. He was Mr. Mr. He Hacienda, was Mr. Manchester. Mr. New Order, you
1: know. New Absolute. Order, Joy Division, ran the Hacienda. I mean, he was super cool and and that was his night job you know, running the the hacienda nightclub and running those two huge bands and he called his day job presenting Granada reports where he was straight and more a suit and tie but he was quite intimidating actually intellectually and and, and well at, at first to me anyway I, until I got to know him um so for the first two or three weeks i kind of i was much kind of much Cozier with Judy than I was with Tony. It wasn't that he was unfriendly, but I was just a little bit in his shadow and a bit intimidated. Very he was cool, wasn't he? He, he was, was very cool, cool, but he was also yeah. super bright. He was a, yeah. he was a yeah, he super was. bright yeah. guy, mm. and I needed to, 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 to get my measure with him. Anyway, we bonded in this conversation, which I must tell you about. It was about three weeks into me being at Granada, and at that time, when I joined in all over Manchester, there was graffiti. It was in the same font. It was in the same silver paint, obviously done by the same few people. And it was exactly the same. all Everywhere you looked, it said, Tony Wilson is a wanker. And it was on every basically spare blank, every blank surface. You could see there were hundreds and hundreds of these hits, Tony Wilson is a wanker. You could see a couple of them out of the window of the newsroom in Key Street, Manchester You'd see them opposite the newsroom, Tony Wilson is a wanker. And I remember about three weeks in, Somebody at the, at the morning news conference made some kind of joke about that and pointed out of the window. And Tony, and I wish I could remember what he said, but I can't, came back with an absolute zinger. And I realised that he didn't care. He d- it didn't bother him. He was just, he thought it was funny. And about... An hour later, we were at, the, at the, literally at the water cooler, getting some water at 11 in the morning. And, uh, he, and he, he, he turned to me and said, I haven't had a chance to talk to you much, Richard. Are you settling in? Are you feeling happy? I said, yeah. I said, can I ask you something, Tony? He said, what? I said, and I pointed out the window at this thing. I said, don't you mind that? Don't you mind that? And he said, why should I fucking mind? And I said I was about to answer. He said, "Would would you mind?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "If I went back to Romford in Essex, where I'm born, my hometown, and everywhere I looked, it said Richard is a wanker. <laughs> I mean, he probably does, it actually." Which yeah. um, <laughs> <it's... laughs> I said, um, "Yeah." I said, uh, "Yeah, I think it would cut the bit, definitely." <laughs> uh, Why don't you mind? And he said, "Because it's fucking true." I said, "Pardon?" He said, said "Right." He said, let, he said let, let me ask you another question, Richard." He said, "Do you like being on television?" I said, what do you mean? He said, oh, fuck off, you know what I mean. Do you like being on the telly, right? Do you like it? Do you enjoy it? Do you get a kick out of it? I said, well, yeah. He said, and so do I. He said, and that makes us both wankers. Okay? <laughs> I said, that's the first point. He said, and the second point to make, he said, is, and he pointed at this graffiti op- opposite again, he said, it's called free speech. He said, it's fair comment. He said, I can sit at home and watch the television and watch somebody on the screen and, and shout abuse at them because I'm free to do it and if I want to get my bloody spray can I'll go out and spray so-and-so's a wanker it's free speech you can't sit on it you've got to live with it and it was what he was really saying was if you're on the telly it was a great lesson uh, just at the right time in my career he said what he was really saying was if you're on the telly do not think for one split second that confers some kind of specialness on you, that it kind of makes you a, in any way Definitely. a more important or protected person, because it doesn't. <laughs> You're a little wanker on the telly, just like everybody. Ben Elton used to do a routine saying, we're all farties at heart. And and that's what Tony was saying. And it was a really, really... I've never forgotten it, because he was right. He was it absolutely is, right. Uh,
3: there is something um, quite unusual about what makes somebody want to do the jobs that we do. Um, so, yeah, it kind of holds a mirror up to it, doesn't it? And go, mm. yeah, actually... There's some qualification in that. <laughs> you did lots of firsts together professionally, but what was your first date like? Because obviously you were working together. How does a first date manifest itself? That was um, uh, we were working together. We we had to do, um, we
1: had oh, we've yeah, been
3: working but... together. We've been working
4: together what for about a year at that point.
1: It was the following autumn, so it would have been a year and a bit.
4: A year and yeah. a bit, and we had to, we had to go uh, to film. Um, a promotion for the show we were working on, Granada reports, because it, it used to come off uh, in, in the summer. in the summer for a summer break.
3: Yeah,
4: uh, all, m- most news programmes did in those days, but it would come back on mm-hmm. in the autumn. So we were kind of. We were going to record a promotion to say the show is back. Watch, and just, watch Granada and just Reports. The,
1: and just the two of us, because because for, in the relaunch Tony had moved on. He was doing other stuff. So they, they decided to make Judy and I the main presenters on Granada Reports. So that was why we we did the promos.
4: Well, they said it, and they what they decided to do, what they asked us to do, was to go to Blackpool of all places. And um the reason was, of course, Blackpool has the illuminations, and and they started up in in in, uh, in September um, to extend the Blackpool holiday season. And Blackpool illuminations, of course, are fantastic. I mean, I was brought up in Manchester and I used to go every year with my parents uh, and we'd drive through them and everything. And I, I absolutely loved them. So we, I was really looking forward to this. And probably would have been the first time you'd seen them, would yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But so we, we we drove up. Well, I didn't I didn't drive. So we drove up in a with the crew, did we?
1: No, we got a taxi.
4: Oh, we got a taxi. Go on, you ta- you you take okay, it. Okay,
1: we got a taxi uh, to, to Blackpool separately, um, and then we spent the whole day filming on, on Blackpool Front on the on the Pleasure Beach under the lights uh went to the went to the went to the main dance hall What's
4: Yeah, uh, the tower tower ballroom
1: yeah, the tower ballroom but
4: also we did the illuminations when they came on we That's were right. working at night had lunch so... together it was
1: a very a full on day had lunch together and then we finished filming at about 7 in the evening and the crew left and we decided to to stay on and cuz we were starving and have dinner together so we went to i can't remember where but we went to a really nice restaurant somewhere on the front and had Probably had fish and chips now by that time we'd been working together for about 15 16 months uh, as I said, I, I I couldn't speak for what Judy might think of me, but I fancied her, and we and we'd had a really good day together. We'd never worked so intensively together before, all day on location, you know. And a lot of yeah. this stuff happens on location, as we all know <laughs> in, in our business. Um, but uh, but um, we had we had dinner together, and we ended up having a very you know, as far as these things go, profound conversation about our lives. Um, both of us were coming out of marriages that hadn't worked. Judy, of course, had two children. Um, was very worried about them, and we just we just had a very intimate conversation about about our lives and, and 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 where we came from, and you know everything. It was one of those great nights, you know. And we didn't we didn't finish. I don't think till about eleven o'clock. We were there for like you know three or four hours together, bonding basically in this conversation. Mm. And then we got a black cab to take us all the way back to Manchester, which is about a good hour hour and ten minutes drive. So we're in the cab. It's now midnight and it's dark, and we're in the cab, and the conversation's continuing in quiet voices because of the driver in the back of the cab, and we're still talking, very sharing, very, very, very special kind of confidences. And finally, the cab pulled up outside your house to drop you no, off. No, it
4: there. was at Granada. Was it um, Granada? It was, oh, I had to get it was my car. Dropping that's you right. off to go to back to Yorkshire, that's um, right. that's I,
1: right. yeah. Uh, and the cab stopped, and we kissed. It just very naturally. I mean, you know, it wasn't premeditated. It just sort of it seemed the absolutely appropriate way to close that what had been a really good fun day and then a very special evening. And we had a a kind of you know lingering kiss, a proper kiss, not 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 no, not not a peck on the cheek, a proper romantic kiss. Um, Kind of it was kind of we, we kind of broke apart and it was kind of oh where did that come from? And then I and then I went home and Judy went home and that we knew both of us that that was the beginning of something that wasn't going to go away again. You know, that 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 was definitely the start. We'd moved into another realm, you know, in the relationship. And God knows ah. where it would end up, but it was there. I would was, imagine, though, that you night. both
3: went your separate ways that night with very different thought patterns, <laughs> because, Richard, you were clearly enamoured with Judy. But, Judy, I understand where your head would have been at. You're a single mum. You've got children to think about. Like, what does it, you know, they they... They lead every thought, don't they?
4: yeah, I mean, um, there was absolutely no doubt in my mind that um my boys who were seven... Were they, no, they weren't even that then there would, would have been about six it would have been about six twins there so uh two six year old boys um were my absolute priority and I, and they had to be um, and as things got Richard and I got closer um and it was clear that we were i mean you kind of talked talked about marriage after about three weeks, didn't you know, I remember. Did mm-hmm. you? It was clear things were very, very serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, yeah. It was clear things were very... I didn't,
1: I didn't want Julie to think that this was just some silly... But I thought that this was just some get exciting you know office romance affair. Because it, it didn't mm. it was much more than that to me. And I was oh. beginning to think that maybe she thought the same. So yeah, I, I don't believe in playing your cards close to your chest, actually, in any in any walk of life. I hate it. I hate withholders. Be open, be honest. It's it's, it's much better. Um so yeah, I can I kind of basically came clean to Judy after about three weeks and said, Look, I've got to tell you, I th- I think you're the person that I want to marry. Um and uh can we talk? Can we talk about that? And Judy always used to say to me, well, yeah, maybe I feel the same, but I come in a three pack. That was her expression. I come in a three pack. It's me and Tom and Dan. Um, so what happened was we, the, 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 this thing started in the autumn of that year and we continued to have basically an affair through the coming months and in, into, the, into the following spring and summer. And then it was obvious that we had to go up a notch, but there were the boys to think about. And by then the boys had got to know me because I'd be around the house quite a lot. I never stayed over, but I'd be at the house for, maybe for tea, for supper. Might, we might go out together as a, as a day. So I was becoming increasingly you know, familiar to them. Mm. But I was never there in the morning at breakfast. you know. Um, so we came up with this, this idea that maybe, it was in the August of 1984, that maybe we should rent a cottage in Cornwall together for a week. Uh, the show was off air, we were on holiday, and the four of us, me and the two boys, should go down to Cornwall for a week and they would they would get an experience of me as a 24-hour presence. Uh, and it wouldn't be odd for me to be at the breakfast table because, why? Well, we'd rented a cottage. Of course I was going to be there. So that's what mm. we did. And we went down to Cornwall, and this was the beginning of our love affair with Cornwall. And we were absolutely blessed with Grecian weather. Uh, mm. Every day was with with I, this isn't an exaggeration there wasn't a speck of cloud in the sky it was just incredible from dawn till dusk it was hot the weather was amazing
4: it was just extraordinary really it was it was kind of like a romantic story you know it's, yeah. it's kind of like a sort of uh, um uh, the kind of thing you you you'd write about in fantasies it was the most yeah. glorious week and at the end of the week we didn't want to go we actually um we actually had to give up our little rented cottage uh because it was booked for somebody else but we managed to squeeze in a few extra days by moving into a hotel very close to where we were staying. The whole thing is just so... And it sounds ridiculous to say something was really meant, but it was. It just felt really extraordinary, the whole... The whole business, and well, and and it was very blessed. It felt very blessed. And
1: it worked. And it wor- and in terms of the boys, it, it, it couldn't have worked any better. I I I, you know, I was already very fond of them, uh, but I re- became very very fond of them, and hopefully they of me. And then we finally, after about ten days, we drove back to Manchester, and by we prearranged this conversation. Judy <laughs> you and know? I had to, you know, I had to do a little bit of manipulation. Um, we pulled up in the drive of the house where she lived with the boys in Manchester, and I carried all the bags in and all their stuff in up to their bedroom and everything, and then there was this moment in the hall, it was about six o'clock in the evening, an August evening, and Judy said, um, boys, um, are you okay with Richard's... Staying here tonight, like he has been at the cottage, is yeah. that right? And and they would like so unfazed, they went because it had worked, you know, this going down for a week in, in Cornwall. And almost as if, well, why not? Yeah, they went, yeah, 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 sure, yeah, whatever. and went in to watch, you know, Super Cats or whatever, uh, and that was it. And I moved in, uh, sold my flat, oh. then we sold the house, bought our own house, and That's,
3: there's a big moment especially because I know how much <laughs> you want your kids to to be okay with whatever a new relationship looks like. Oh, it's so important.
1: It's vital. It's 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 vital. You have you absolutely have to put them first. Um, I mean, I'm an agony uncle now on on the Daily Telegraph. I do an agony page every Saturday in the in the Telegraph, and I, I occasionally get letters to do with step parenting and to do with you know new relationships where children are involved. And I always say, absolutely unambiguously and unequivocally, whatever you do, put the children first. Because a that's what you morally have to do for them. Because they're children, um, but also it's an investment in your happiness because if you don't put the children first, it won't work mm-hmm. it'll it'll all blow back it um, they'll they'll become unhappy and upset, and that in itself is, is is a reason not to not put them first, but also it'll 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 have a huge impact on your relationship and, and may break it up. Put the kids first,, yeah. and everything else should follow it's absolutely yeah. there's, absolute no, there's no
3: right there's no other right answer than that is
1: there
3: you if you do that, you'll no. never go wrong you'll never go no. wrong.
1: Absolutely, absolutely
3: right. Yeah, and I, I i i was I was aware that um, if
4: it didn't work with Richard, I mean, because Richard he, he was he was ever he'd been married before, but he had no children of his own, and he'd only been married for about five years, and you, he was ever so young. You're only really, what you were in your mid twenties, late mid to late twenties. Yes,
1: but I'd left school at sixteen know, to join but, a local paper, a so I'd sort of been around. No, but, but he know. he
4: was very young. So, um, and to, to the idea of sort of. Sort of I mean, falling in love with me was one thing and getting married but but the idea of him taking on two young boys, you know um mm. and for me and me to trust him with those boys uh, that's the big thing because i had and and I think rich i mean i I knew all the way along that if it didn't work, however much whatever I felt about him, however much I cared, I could not have lived with myself, you know, mm. so it was really if 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 he if he and the boys if it hadn't worked out. So it it was tremendously important, tremendously important. But he's been a fantastic stepdad. I mean, I don't know how you did it because you were very young, and I, and it was a lot to take on. But you did, and um, and you know, it, it's uh, I, I see you. You know, whenever I read stories about difficult step parent relationships, I I, I think. I
1: think you've you've been brilliant. Haven't oh, you? really? Absolutely. Well, they were they were very easy to. Oh, work. you're going to me...
3: Oh, that's just lovely. <laughs> as I sit here as a single parent of a 13-year-old boy to hear another man speak so beautifully of children that were not born of him, then that, that's wonderful, Richard. You should be so so proud of that. That's lovely. Richard and Judy, I mean legends. Thank you so much to the pair of them. And fear not, there's plenty more where that came from. So good was our episode with them that we've decided to carve it up into two very special shows for you. So that was part one. Part two is winging its way with our next drop. In the meantime, for other great episodes with couples that you may know from their work in the public eye, uh, then dig around in our back catalogue and feast your ears on the likes of Stacy, Solomon and Jo Swash, Martin and Shelley Kemp, Kelvin Fletcher and his wife, Liz, or Denise Welsh with her husband, the artist Lincoln and They're all there with many more. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, this show has been produced by me, Kate Thornton with Ben Robbins for Yahoo UK, alongside Eleanor Humphries on editing duty, and our music comes courtesy of Andy Bell. We'll see you next week with more from Richard and Judy.